0: All right, everybody, welcome back to That's So Fringy Podcast. I'm Rick, my wife Kristen here, and we've also got Heather Arnold with us today. She is going to be uh, just introducing herself a little bit uh, to us and talking about some giants. Heather, how are you doing today?
1: Great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I so appreciate it. and I'm really looking forward to speaking with you and your audience.
0: Oh, we, we love having you on. We've uh, enjoyed um, all the conversations that we've heard you have with many other podcasters and, you know, some of your presentations that you've done, we've really enjoyed. Um, and we just wanted to introduce you to our audience because we like talking about fringy stuff and uh, relating that back to the Bible. And that's a lot of what you're doing. And uh, so tell us a little bit about your uh, background and how you got into all this.
1: Well, sure, thank you for asking. So I first um, came down to Aruba in 2005 and I ended up um, starting a tour company and my tours were private tours. They were Harley-Davidson rentals and tours and private Jeep tours. And I wanted to set the tours apart from other tours on the island by making them historically, as historically accurate as possible. So um, I began to realize there was a challenge involved in that. And the challenge was that I couldn't um, assess the true history of Aruba. It was constantly eluding me. Um, the children in school uh, at that time and to this day are taught that the islands were simply discovered um, about 500 years ago, 1499, by Marigo Vespucci. and um, from that moment forward there were a series of wars and ultimately the island was called the useless island um, because it was it's a very arid desert climate true a true desert island and uh, the the all the explorers who had come um, didn't find any use for it. and that immediately struck me as odd because there is for number one, something very valuable on this island to this day in the ground and that's gold. So the island had a tremendous amount and still does of gold. As a matter of fact, I believe it was three tons of gold taken by the Dutch when they finally took over the island and began the rigorous gold extraction. So mm-hmm. I knew something was odd there. I also knew something was odd because the island also has um, something, or had. Now they've they're pretty much been logged to extinction. But um, Brazilwood trees and Brazilwood at that time, in particular, um, of the first people coming here. Um, from Europe was prized because of the dye it could make for its purple color that was used in royal robes, for mm-hmm. example. So it was very coveted as well as the wood itself is used for instruments and, um, and anything that needs to be pliable, uh, but strong. So I was a little, um, I realized maybe that was a subterfuge. Maybe they were just calling it the useless islands, but it really were not useless islands, which I knew they were. It isn't. And when I say islands, um, there are three islands in particular I'm talking about. It's Aruba, Bonaire, and Curaçao. They are all next to each other, um, just several miles apart. As a matter of fact, where I am now in Aruba, I can take a boat over to Curaçao and a boat over to Bonaire easily. We're 16 miles off the mainland of South America, the closest country being Venezuela. So, um, so that's when I'm saying. When I, when I say islands, I mean all three because all three are really involved. Um, So then I was looking around the internet, because I looked here in the libraries, I looked in the archaeology museum, and it was very hard to ascertain what the true history was. And it was once uh, I stumbled upon a talk given by an archaeologist who's still here uh, about how um, it was a 500-year anniversary of Aruba, and he was against that because he said there had been habitation here for thousands of years. Before uh, Vespucci came with his men, and and then he started going on this tirade about how there were never any giants in Aruba, and um, and that and just going on and on about how it was just made up for for people to sell books and to be to to capture uh, the the interest and the imagination of the minds of Europe at that time, and I thought. Why is he bringing up giants? I thought, oh, there must be giants in Aruba because it just was such an odd way to approach it. And so then I really went down the rabbit hole and that's when I began to research steadily. And I discovered that the original name of Aruba and and Curacao um, were the islands of the giants, and I found it written on the first map of the New World called the Mapus Mundi that was um, it was done in fifteen oh two A.D. by. Um, uh, Oh my gosh, uh, Juan de la Cosa, sorry about that. And so um, I said, wow, it really says the islands of the giants on this map. And then I looked at Vespucci's letters that he wrote and his notes. And what's interesting about when these explorers came over is that they weren't just thrill seekers. They weren't just doing this to tell a story or, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was about that. It was really about, they took it, okay, yes, they were looking for treasure and they were looking for land. And of course it was, you know, that's obvious, but they were also, um, they thought of themselves as documentarians and and they he, Vespucci, for example, he brought... Uh, scientists, he brought uh, people whose expertise were flora and fauna, anthropologists. He brought a group of experts with him to be able to document every single aspect of the places that he visited, um, to, even to what people were wearing, what they looked like, what they ate, uh, and so um, even their, how they were courting, how their marriage r- rituals, etc. So he was very, um, calculated and thorough with his documentation. Mm. And Um, so then I. Realized um, that, wow, this, you know, maybe there is something to this. So I began to read his letters. And uh, these letters were important because he was the one who called Aruba and Curacao the islands of the giants. And it was due to his interaction on this island with the giants when he came here in 1499 for the first time. And he had just left an island off the coast of what I believe is. Colombia, where he saw a human being on a spit over a fire that uh, was being cooked by a, uh, a local indigenous group who were clearly cannibals. And he was documenting and documenting, but the only time he felt his life was threatened and where he literally, quote, thought he was going to die that day was in Aruba with his interaction with the islands of the giants and the giants themselves. So It was from that moment I realized, wow, this is a story that needs to be told because this is fits into the global phenomena of giants all over. Now, the only place I think so far where there hasn't been any documentation of giants is Antarctica, but I'm positive at some point, maybe after we're long gone, uh, if there's some sort of a shift and things melt or the technology gets more advanced, there will be more evidence perhaps because the giants seem to have touched Everywhere across across the globe and mostly contemporaneously. So it wasn't as if there were giants, you know, uh twenty-five million years ago and then not and then there were giants and then they disappeared and then there were giants thirty-five thousand years ago over here. It's, it wasn't like that. The giants were kind of around all at the same time. And All scattered um, across the globe, and it was from that moment that I began a deep dive that started in about 2006, and it has continued to this very day.
0: Wow, that is quite um, that. uh, story of how of how you made it to this point, and now you're passionate about finding more and more and more information. And that sounds a lot like me. I get super like passionate about something like this. That's like, okay, this is connecting my mind to giants of the Bible, and now I want to know more and more and more because there. I mean that this is huge. Uh, this, a lot of people kind of, you know, they kind of brush off that they f- found giant bones and all this uh, show me the proof blah 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 but there's a lot of proof out there you just got to go looking for it and and that's what you're doing and you're and you're proving that by bringing all of this information out so we love that and we're so grateful that you uh that you brought it out and we're able to share that for us that was so great
1: oh thank you i'm glad that people appreciate it so that oh yeah going
2: so were the giants that they were finding on the island? Does it say anything about how they got there? Were they seafaring? Was it? Were they? Because at one point those islands were all connected, correct?
1: Yes, right. So the three islands were one. So Aruba, Bonaire, and Curaçao were one island. Um, the geological evidence shows this. And through a series of mega tsunamis, starting as far back as uh, 3,500 BC to 500 BC, there were a series of these three mega tsunamis that separated the three islands, so they became three distinct islands. However, there are giant remains that have been found and evidence of the same giants, the same race of giants. They weren't different giants. They were all the same people on all three islands. Um, so. Uh, there is a possibility that at the time that they were living here, the islands were all one. Um, that is research that needs to be done. It's my contention that um, a lot of the evidence of the giants is under the water. And that's a yeah. whole other aspect of archaeology that's just being explored here in Aruba. Um, particularly if there were mega tsunamis, of course you're going to have things that were submerged. Um So, yeah, Vespucci goes into great detail, but he doesn't know where they came from. He can't really communicate with them. And this lack of communication is a difficulty with communicating with one another, his Mm -hmm. group, and their group. Was what caused him to ultimately fear for his life because he was met, he followed footprints, huge footprints on the sand, in the sand on the beach when he landed in Aruba. I believe he came to Aruba with the sole purpose of. Finding gold or finding treasure, because it was Christopher Columbus before him who had been to the mainland of northern South America, which is probably now Venezuela, and interacted with the indigenous people there who told him about Aruba and said that there were giants and could have said that there were treasure, but that we don't know. That's just Mm conjecture on my part. So it was noted in Christopher Columbus's notes to when he returned to go to Aruba. Um, Of course, I'm using the modern name Aruba. And so what happened was Vespucci was very smart and he ended up marrying into the Medici family who were financing these trips over to the quote unquote new world. And so he cooked the books and made it look like Christopher Columbus did it. And then told on Christopher Columbus, and he lost the permit to be Mm. able to come over. And so Vespucci then came over. Mm. So that's how that kind of works. So he was kind of devilishly smart, um, shall we say and definitely motivated. So he had it in his mind to come over to Aruba. So he had some idea of what he was going to encounter, but I don't think he fully understood. And so the people um, at the mainland of South America, they told um, Vespucci, no, they, these people are very advanced, they worship the sun, and they don't bother with anyone, but if you provoke them, they they will fight back.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh
1: so that didn't deter Vespucci and he came over in a, sh- in a ship uh with some of his men. And they immediately saw the footprints and began to follow the footprints. And then they came upon a village. And the village, he describes the homes. Um, and then he saw these giant women come out. Um, giant, two, uh, an older woman, uh, a, a woman who was, uh, looked like a mother, and then two teenage girls. And they immediately began... To try to start communicating, which of course fall, falls apart, but they did offer them some water, which I believe was a brackish water, which is what the you know is very hot in Aruba, so mm-hmm. the water being brackish would help with dehydration. So it was actually highly intelligent of them to think of that, and yeah, sure. um, and took them into one of the houses. And the men were so shocked at how big these women were, even the teenage girls, who he surmised to be about 15, 16 years old. And he said, um, even if they were kneeling, they would be taller than me standing. So that was the size of the women. And so the, the, um, so then he describes that he was planning then to steal the two girls and bring them back on the ship to bring them back to Europe. And this was a common thing going on. Um, it happened in Bonaire. Um, people, the explorers trying to take actual people
0: mm-hmm. as kind of souvenirs
1: and bring them back to Europe. And that's kind of what the, what he was planning, except his plan was thwarted when 36 men came back from what he surmised to be some sort of a hunting trip. And he saw their, their weapons were massive. He didn't even understand these weapons, the weaponry that the, the men had. Um, he thought he couldn't even lift up the weaponry that they had. And he immediately aborted mission about stealing the girls. And then they were trying to communicate and things quickly fell apart and they began to retreat to their ship. And the giants were following right behind them every step of the way until they got on the ship and the giants went into the water and was still following the men and then started shooting arrows at them. And Vespucci got scared, and he ordered the men to fire off a cannonball, not to hurt them, but to scare them, mm-hmm. which of course it did. And and he was happy that they retreated. And then he ends the the this um this entry about his uh his experience with the giants with, oh, um I thought I was going to die that day, and I'll name, I name this island the Islands of the Giants due to the tall stature of the people living there. Mm. And so that's about uh, the um, the most description we get. So because of the lack of communication, um he doesn't try to um conjecture with regard to how they got here, where they came from, who they were related to, nothing of that sort. I think he was just happy to be alive. Yeah, no
0: Does he make any so.
2: reference to like what how their communication was? Like were they u- you know using just syllables or like does does he talk about that at all? Like I wonder how they He's, sounded.
1: Yeah, I know. I would, You know, it's interesting here in Aruba a lot of the n- original names of places still remain. And after the giants um there were mainland Uh, indigenous people who came who were average stature people who came onto the island they were much later period Um, Mm -hmm. and they were uh, completely genetically connected to the mainland um, tribal indigenous people of Venezuela even maybe even Colombia so um, it's unclear if it was the giants who named these places or the later period people who inhabited the island. Um, I kind of think maybe it was both. So th- from that, you can kind of get a glimpse of what the language might have been, but mm-hmm. not really. For example, we have a um Wecha, we have a name. Um, we have um, Kwadiri Kiri. It's a lot of n- names like this. Um, you don't really know. We kind of know what some things mean, keepra hacha, you know, like some, we know that keeper means to break and all these stuff like that. So um, I don't know uh, beyond that if he understood. I know for sure he didn't understand, but I know they mm-hmm. were using words. And yeah. so we don't really know much more about the language, except that it, it was not in any way um, picked up by Vespucci and understood. Yeah.
2: So are there certain areas of the islands where they have found, like, are there burial sites or mounds or caves or like where where have they found the evidence of these people nowadays? Is there anything left?
1: Yeah, So right where I'm sitting across from me, um, there are three caves and in those caves were burials that were found. Um, and they were found um, within, inside the cave. So one thing I've learned, even now, now it, I, it was a theory and now it's totally cemented, is that um, the giants were a, a small population, hmm. and they, but yet they were in charge. So they really were the, the elite status individuals on the island. They buried their most valuable uh, assets in very hard-to-access remote caves. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. across from me are Kanashito Caves. In one cave, there were found a, a burial with a, a, a giant um, in the center, I presumed first to be a female, then a male, then a female, so no one really knows what it was. Um, And that person was sitting, uh, uh, was laid out supine, so um, just flat on their back, which is very odd for burials at that time, because usually they were in the fetal position. Mm -hmm. And the Mm -hmm. other um, people were laid out as if spokes in a wheel. And now that's a common burial theme that's found in the mounds. Of the mm-hmm. United States of America, that type of burial where there's a central person in the in the center, and then the other burials come out like spokes in a wheel. Um, so that's, um, that's a very popular way of, of burying the dead that the giants used, as well as burying people in isosceles triangles, in the shape of isosceles triangles, where at, in the angles of the triangle would be the giants, and then making up the lines, for example, of the triangle would be average statured people. So that's something too that when the giants were here, they weren't the only ones here. There were average statured people as well, some of which had deformed skulls. So, for example, the giants had elongated skulls. Uh, their brain cases were larger, their anatomy was different to accommodate the uh, weight of their their brain, mm-hmm. um, which went to, towards the back. Their, their skull elongation moved towards the back of the skull mm-hmm. um, as opposed to up. So. That was kind of um, interesting. And then, for example, in the caves that I can look at right now, there were also um, average statured people, but their skulls were bulbous. They had like uh, two bumps hmm. um, on either side. So very, uh, I don't like to use the word, but kind of like alien looking um, yeah because yeah I don't want to think that, that they're alien I don't think that they're alien I don't know we don't know but they definitely look very strange um, and that that skull deformation was noted in the archaeological record so most of the burials of the very elite are found in caves and then we have a uh, a huge graveyard called Melmu graveyard it's probably one of the largest in the Caribbean. And in that graveyard are at least 72 burials of elite giants as well as average stature people. (coughs) Excuse me. So there were two ways of burial, Uh, out in the open and in these isosceles triangles and in caves.
0: Hmm. That's very interesting. And you you have these bones. um, Are they stored somewhere? Did they take Uh them somewhere? Or where are they now?
1: Yeah, right, right, great. Right. Where are they now exactly? So, okay, one skeleton is in Bonaire. Now, it was in Bonaire, I saw it in 2019. It's in a private archaeology museum. It's called the Bonaire skeleton. It was the skeleton that the investigators wrote an entire research paper about and wrote about how it was indeed a giant. And their conclusion was that Vespucci was not exaggerating when he said there were giants, that there was indeed a giant skeleton. Um, I'm going in October back to Bonaire and I am very hopeful that I will see that skeleton. The museum has since changed hands and whenever there's a changing of hands, things get lost. So I hope the skeleton is still there. Um, there were two skulls that were extracted from the Malmuk Cemetery, which is the one that's in the ground. Those two skulls were taken to Curacao in 1970 and placed in a museum called the Curacao Museum, which is still uh, in existence. And when I had contacted the museum, I guess about two years ago, looking for the skulls, trying to get them repatriated to Aruba, Um the museum had been taken been through renovations and the skulls had disappeared and no oh, one knows geez. where the skulls are. Hmm. So this is a common theme. We see this all the time. Um, there are bones and then they disappear. Where are the bones? No one knows where mm-hmm. the bones are. But the bone skeleton is in existence and it's very odd. Um, physically, it looks like it has an elongated skull, huge eye socket, it's a very strange skeleton, and it was um, presumed that it was a minimum of eight feet tall. Now, it could always been taller because bones shrink. And the way that archaeologists determine height is through a mathematical equation. So it's not really um, – they can't really use the bones as a um, differentiation of how tall the person is because of this – um how the bones kind of um shrink essentially over time and that skeleton was believed to be at least a thousand years old if not older
2: oh wow Wow. yeah
1: so um (coughs) excuse me so that would mean that um you know these these giants were around for quite some time very recently shall we say even though it's not so recently If Aspucci was here in 1499, the Giants were still here. That's fairly recent. Yeah. In terms of the timeline.
0: Yeah, and you know, now that you've laid out all of that, uh, which is awesome, and thank you for doing that, then my mind starts to go towards, okay, how do we link this with the Bible? And and is there evidence that we find in the Bible for giants? Obviously, there is. And has has there been anything found around the island or any type of connection that you've made with the nephilim or the offspring of the nephilim because it sounds like uh and i'll let you answer that in just a second but it sounds like that the the bones um from from some of the human sized ones being deformed and everything like that it would seem like there was maybe some mating going on um that might have uh caused an issue there in the deformation and everything like that could you speak to that
1: yeah, sure. Um, biblically, I don't know the connection. I will say that um, there could be a connection between Atlantis. That's brought up a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the, the Antilles, and the Antilles are of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. So, um, And that's what the early explorers called because they, these islands because they thought they were remnants of Atlantis. Um And then in terms of, um, yes, I think the the giants basically didn't disappear, essentially. I think they just bred themselves out Mm. um, by running out of giants to to breed with, um, whether it be from disease or um, death or, you know, of of any, you know, just death in general. Um, I know that in the caves, there is a birthing chamber. And on the wall are slashes of what I believe to be births, and there aren't many. So it could be this was a small group, but they were mighty. They were huge, so they were in charge. And eventually they probably were panicking, thinking we're running out of, you know, giants to mate mate with. And so they began to mate with average statured. People and this um, is genetically supported through a genetic analysis done in 2003 that shows that a lot of the modern Rubens still have this um, ancient DNA in uh, in their in their genetic makeup. So wow. um, to me, that's I don't think they disappear at all. Kind of like the Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. So where the Neanderthals go? Well, a lot of people still carry Neanderthal DNA or. Uh, Denisovan DNA. So I don't think these people are disappearing so much as they are basically mating and mixing up the gene pool.
0: Mm. Yeah. I think there's a lot of evidence for that in the Bible, um, but there's yes, uh, right. exactly <laughs> so, well, there's
2: parts in the Bible where they said like, you know, God specifically says do not take these women as wives right. and then they did it anyway. So it's like, You know, he maybe he was trying to mitigate that DNA corruption, but you know, us being humans, we just did what we wanted to. So, (laughs) right, of
1: course, yes, of course, yeah. No, it's it's interesting, and you know, um, it's it's interesting on this island because they've never even heard about the giants until I started talking about it. I just didn't interview here locally, uh, last a week and a half ago. And I just was in the store today. And so I was like, Oh, we saw you, we saw your interview, you know, and, and it's it, why it's interesting to me is because Aruba is a very religious Island. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, It's pretty much a, the, it doesn't have a national religion, but almost a hundred percent are Catholic. And so, um, Uh, it's interesting that it's not kind of touched upon more, but I'm hopeful that it will be because I, I, I think, you know, I think the old Testament is really also a history book and it really tells the story of what went on. And we're finding a lot of archeological evidence to support what was being said, particularly in the old Testament. And so I I just think that it's it's just too far-fetched. Why would anyone just start talking about giants out of nowhere? It just doesn't Mm make sense. Where would you even come up with something like that? It just it's not. I don't think they're running a scam. (laughs) Right,
2: right. Well, and just just the thought of like, so if I'm kneeling down and I'm about the height of my six-year-old, and granted he's tall, but I'm about the height of my (laughs) six-year-old. So then I stand up. I mean that that's a huge difference. That's not just like me standing next to Shaquille O'Neal. Like that's, that's more than that. I mean, that would be re- outrageous anyways, you know, it would be like five foot two against. Well, you've seen those is, pictures but...
0: of Kevin Hart and yeah. Shaq standing next to each other.
2: That's probably
0: the closest thing you could find to a giant nowadays.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but it's like, yeah. I guess I just always thought like Goliath on the David and Goliath story, like he was just a big guy, you know, or like, you know, we come from, I'm Norwegian, so we come from the Vikings and like, they were just yeah. big guys, but it makes you wonder like, was there more to it than, you know, they there's so much more than just them being large, you know, think of the muscles and the, uh, all the other stuff that goes along with just the skeleton. Like how massive would these people have been? Like they would be able to pick up things that we wouldn't even with, you know, modern machinery wouldn't be able to pick up.
1: Right. I mean, they're here on the island. There are megaliths. There are balanced stones, massive multi-ton Balanced stones all over the island, um, and they're all kind of connecting to one another. Um, The trajectory of the lines that the balanced stones make follow the trajectory of lines of the petroglyphs that Mm. also align with each Mm. other, um, going in diagonal lines from um, north west to southeast and which was also a, uh, a common burial position as well so there is definitely a purpose to these balanced stones, um, right? So I think these people were massive. I don't think they were like NBA players. Their bones were bigger, uh, and so they clearly had more weight on them. They were able to support more weight, more muscle. They had bigger brains. So I don't think they were gangly NBA players. I think they were massive people. As very wide and tall. Mm. And that also adds to this whole concept of the giants. And I think that uh, there in bef- that, there were giants who were even taller. I mean, there are reports of giants who were in China, much mm-hmm. taller. And we're always questioning, are, are those measurements correct? Or are they exaggerated? We don't really know. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of reports saying that some of the giants were... Even bigger than that. Um, did they eventually get smaller and smaller and smaller? I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it very possibly could be. But these were very, very big people. And I think they had tremendous amounts of strength. I think a lot of the megalithic sites, um, maybe they were using advanced high tech, or maybe they were actually just a bunch of these giants got together and started moving stones around. Mm-hmm. Um, there is actually a place right um, here in Aruba called Io Rock Formation. In the tour guides, it's described as, it looks like it's a giant's playground. It looks like giants just start throwing rocks at one another. And so that's kind of a a weird thing to allude to. Here and it always made me wonder, and I always kept that guidebook as as some sort of you know just something interesting because it's so interesting. Why would they make giants all of a sudden? And so I think they were just massive people, and um, also involved in make in megalith making.
2: Yeah. Is there any connection with like some of the megaliths or that kind of stuff that has to do with, you know, the celestial part? Because I know there was a lot of stuff where, you know, the sun, the solstices line up and all kinds. Is there any of that that you can see there?
1: Yes, there, um, I just discovered two amazing places at the winter solstice at mm. Io Rock Formation. Uh, one is a massive balanced, a massive stone on top of two other stones, which is kind of your traditional dolmen. And as the sun, uh, winter solstice sun is rising, uh it shoots right through the center underneath the, within that dolmen right underneath the massive oh, wow. stone and in between the two stones holding it and um and then i uh, so that was the one major one and then at the equinox um i discovered there was a, there's a massive stone that it seems that they carved into almost like a telescope, but the equinox sun shines through a a hole they put into this stone structure. Um, It's very odd, but it aligns perfectly with the equinox sunrise. And um, and hmm. these stones that I'm talking about are all diorite. So they're some of the hardest stones, if not you know the hardest stones on Earth. So how they even made a hole in the diorite? How and so they were positioning stones. They were moving stones. A lot of the balanced stones, for example, um, they point. So they're all kind of have a point and they point mm-hmm. either to another balanced stone, a graveyard, um, a petroglyph site, uh, a cave system. So they're all deliberately placed. Some people said, well, then maybe they were markers, you know, because mm-hmm. they were big and tall and high up. And I think there was there's some validity to that too, uh, even globally. Um, but these were very deliberately placed. And the stones they chose were deliberately chosen. And they were not, you know, I've shown the pictures of these balanced stones to archaeologists and didn't tell them where they were where the stones were and they always said, oh it's a glacial erratic i said no no uh, there were no yeah. glaciers in Aruba. you <laughs> no. can't, can't use that excuse here i'm so so sorry You have to use your brain now yeah so it, <laughs> it's great to see that you know you can't. It's not just a glacial erratic. There were no glaciers here, and these stones are not connected. There was no erosion. We get very little rain here in Aruba. Um, mm-hmm. It's not. We're not going to have. We do have earthquakes, but there's not going to be an earthquake that takes a stone and puts it on top of another stone. and Right. Just got, Um, 15 times, you know, it just doesn't make sense. So, um, so I think the giants were involved in, in that, um, process Mm -hmm. as well here on the island.
2: I mean, that's crazy to think like as a tribe of giants, like they had to entertain themselves even like, (laughs) you know, like if you're sitting there on an island, like I, I stack rocks when I go down to the river and I'm only there for Mm -hmm. a couple of hours, you know, it's like, just thinking like a like a giant's playground, that's kind of cool,
1: right, yeah, it is it is actually interesting,
2: I don't know. it's just so fascinating like the whole the whole idea of it is just seems so crazy, but it's not like there's clearly evidence, and you know it it makes you also wonder why this stuff is suppressed, like why people don't get to know about this stuff like do you have any insight on? on why we, we don't have more information on it.
1: Yeah. It's so funny when I first started this, you know, I jumped on the Darwin bandwagon and the Darwin bandwagon is that the people who study the giants, they say, Oh, it's suppressed because they, uh, for some reason all these people seem to have a vested interest in Charles Darwin and his theories are so compelling and um, we need to sustain them at all costs um, but, you know, I finally, did, you know, and I was thinking, oh, that's a little odd, but maybe okay. And then I started to read Darwin's work. And Darwin acknowledges giants. He mm. talks mm. about the giants of Patagonia, um, which... You know, Patagonia's large foot, that's exactly what he was talking about, the size. He said there were massive people. He recognizes giants. He doesn't try to fit them in or, or into his theory or anything. He just says that they were—they are giant people. They're about double the size of the average human. Um, so it can't be Darwinism. If you actually read Darwin's work, it, it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. The only conclusion that I can conceivably come up with is that there's a concerted effort to deny that the Old Testament is a historical document as well as a religious document, Mm -hmm. Um, because if you validate the giants. Then you validate the Old Testament. I mean, not that right. for believers, you don't have to validate it, but for you know non-believers or those who are just not part of it, they you know who are just thinking, oh, the Bible is just theoretical, philosophical, mm-hmm. and, and and all this. So it's, so I, I and that would entail that there's an evil almost afoot, you know? To right, me, right. Uh, almost very, like a spiritual battle, right? It's to me that sounds what it would be like because when i not thank goodness because i love you know um the blocking mechanism on social media but in the beginning i would post something and i i mean people who never followed me nothing they would attack me like out of nowhere i mean just evil and they didn't know me they didn't follow me i never interacted with them or i didn't follow them i thought where are these people coming from? So all you if you want to be attacked on social media just put hashtag giants mm-hmm. and <laughs> there you <be> go <laughs> ripped apart and called names
2: oh man and
1: the DMs will fill up with evil and I, love it. I just thought wow these what like what would tra- like for me that means i'm over the target so mm-hmm. i mean that's yes. not gonna yes. that's just gonna motivate me but So then you begin to think, why are they so obsessed with being, you know, attacking me? I mean, I'm just one little person. I mean, and and then you, if you put it together and, and think of it really outside of the box, away from Darwin and really think is there's an agenda to thwart the validity of the Bible, um then it kind of makes sense you know i i don't think i the most evil things that have ever been said to me are from people on social media when i just post evil to me which appears to be a benign thing but with a hashtag giants and then oh, i don't know if there are bots that are looking for these hashtags mm-hmm. and then coming after i i have no idea but it's very interesting and um and just seems like a colossal waste of time but it, they they really um whether they're real or not the 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 people or things or bots who are attacking me it's very organized so i mm-hmm. often think is there a connection between suppression of the giants and suppression of the validity of of the historical relevance of the bible
2: yeah oh that's crazy
0: yeah and i think I think you can be uh, silenced a couple ways. I think obviously the controllers of our world are not wanting us to have this information because of the points that you just made. But I think also to Kristen's point, it's a spiritual battle and we had a really fringy episode where we were talking about um, can demons um, souls um, are uh, what do we call them? Bodiless spirits, um, can they inhabit technology? And mm-hmm. and have they figured out how to do that? And uh, it was just kind of a conversation we were having, but it's very interesting when you are dealing with things like this that would reveal um, the one true God. There is there seems to be this weird, interesting uprising on the internet uh, surrounding you, and you begin to get swarmed like agents in the Matrix, um, <laughs> like you are walking around uh, unplugged. So. We uh, we definitely believe that there's something going on there, whether it be powers that be or the powers above them that are running them uh, in in the technology itself. But it is we found that to be true in in many mm-hmm. different cases. It's crazy.
1: Yes, it's scary, actually. Yeah, it's like it, it. That's actually very scary to think that they yeah. could yeah, infest. Like, for example, AI, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the perfect example of, you know, things going very wrong, very fast. And
0: yeah, you'll you know, have to go like, back and listen to our AI episode. If anybody wow, hasn't listened to that one, we yeah, uh, there's
2: probably more stuff we could even do on AI now. Yeah. It's just yeah. coming out so, so quickly. So what are you doing now, Heather? Like, what is your what is your life look like now? Are you still doing the tour company? Like what what's going on with you?
1: So right now I'm in the midst of completing my book. The people of Aruba really want this book. And yeah. so that was part of why I came to Aruba was to continue my research. And I'm so thankful I did because it really gives me so. like I used to, when I was in New York, I'd be researching like every day, literally every day since 2006, mm-hmm. I've been researching and, um, Uh, I would make a list. I have to check this out when I go back, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. this, this. But now, and now, I remember when I first started moved back here. I was like making a list. I'm like, wait, no, I live here now. I don't have to make a list. So that's really I can look cool. out my window. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so that research has. I've learned so much more in just the almost one year that I've been here, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here. So I'm going to continue to write my book. I'm going to start releasing chapters for free on my Substack and um which i you know i i eventually probably will go behind a paywall but for the people of aruba and bonaire and curacao i'm going to either offer a discounted rate or completely free i haven't figured out how i can work that out with Substack, but that's for sure. But my book will be launching here in Aruba for sure. And um, I'm hopeful that I can start doing, um, get back on the conference circuit again. It's a little bit more difficult because I'm a little bit remote now, um, literally. So, but I hope to still do it and still do wonderful shows like yours. And um, yes, if anyone wants to come down to Aruba, contact me. And I will show you the giant sites. That's oh, that would be no problem. Awesome. Just contact me on social media. I already have a couple of people coming down this summer that I'll be taking around and oh, showing fun. them the caves and yeah, and um, some of the balanced stones and things uh, of that nature, and the graves where the grave sites kind of are. And uh, we also have mounds here. We have t- several shell mounds. Um, that, that were created by the giants, and um, you know, so it's a lot of interesting things. And and rather than people looking around, it's very hard. There are no street signs really in Aruba, and um, although we have Google Maps and stuff, it's not always accurate. At, at very, you know, maybe half the time. So I'll, I'd be more than happy to, you know, take people around and show them some of the sites. But, yeah, so my real main focus is um, getting the book completed and published here. down yeah. here. In so it'll be exciting.
2: How So how can people find you? Like, I mean, I found you on Instagram, but you have a website and Facebook and...
1: I don't have my website yet, but that's another project I'm going to do. And um, and I'm going to try to find someone locally here in Aruba to help um, with the website. I do have my domain name, so I'm, I'm almost there. There you go. Um, but you can find me on social media. I'm very active and responsive on social media. On Facebook, Heather L. Arnold. On Instagram, Heather L. Arnold. On Twitter, Heather L. Arnold. And on sub- Substack, Heather L. Arnold at Substack. Uh, dot com. And um, I think that's the thing. oh, and I, I do have a YouTube channel, but I haven't started uploading yet. Um, but that will be the next step too. And, and I would like to do some short videos of mm-hmm. hikes around here to some of these sites as well. So
2: oh, that would be cool! You've got tons of pictures okay, yeah, and cool yeah. stuff on your Instagram. I love looking at those kind of oh, pictures. Oh, thank
1: you. Yes, yeah. Most of my stuff is all pictures from hikes, and yeah, I just recently went on the summer solstice to an ancient cave site. So um that where there was an alignment that was incredible oh, so that's all on my um social media and I try to post different stuff on all three platforms so um it's interesting everywhere
0: yeah well, it's been so fun meeting you and uh listening yes. to your stories and, and hearing about this uh beautiful place that you call home now. Um that sounds like a fringy Disneyland to me. I think I might be coming <laughs> over there here soon. I don't know.
2: A giant playground. I love it. <laughs> That's what
0: I'm talking about. I don't uh <laughs> screw Disneyland. Who cares? I'm going I'm going to Aruba.
1: Yeah, sounds no awesome. um, Everyone come to Aruba. I'm here.
0: I love it. All right, you guys, that's it for this episode. Again, Heather Arnold, thank you so much for coming on. We yes. uh, we appreciate you and all the work that you're doing to expose the lies and painting truth and keeping that uh, held high on a sign saying, everybody, Giants. They're real. Mm -hmm. Get it in your head because it's real stuff. There's lots of evidence, as you just heard. So thank you again. And uh, we can't wait to hopefully do another episode with you soon in the future, maybe on location from Aruba. (laughs) That would
1: be so fun. Please do it. Yes, come down. I'm here. Let's do it.
0: Okay, thanks again. We'll see you. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks.